Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. As always, the Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. It could be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a B-team coach, whatever they want, just a game they consider to be their greatest game. Chris, we are excited to have another college coach join us here on the Greatest Games podcast. He just finished his first year at Illinois State University as an assistant coach. Coach Marcus Belcher, welcome on into the show. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Coach. So the question of the day right now is, what, what is a red bird? What, like, <laughs> it's just a bird that's red? I guess, man. I don't know if it's a – I guess it's a cardinal, you know. Uh, there's a lot of cardinals out there. We wanted to be our own little deal. So, instead of calling us the cardinals, we went with Redbird. Now, did you know that, Brian, that they were the Illinois State Redbirds? I did know that. I did know that. Our listeners would know that I'm not great on the history that Chris, you know, again, you are the guy to take the trivia. I understand that. Um, but I did know they were the Redbirds. I, I did know that much. Do you know where in Illinois it's located? It is, it's not a normal name, but it is normal, <laughs> normal. It is, that's right. It is normal Illinois. Is that right? <laughs> Actually, Bloomington normal is kind of a Twin Cities deal. Oh, no. You can't just say normal. It's, it might, our address is actually in normal, but it's Bloomington normal is the area. How about that? Just learning. I'm just learning new stuff, stuff new every yeah. day. I tell you what, it's, it's funny. We're talking about city names. You are from the, the bustling metropolis of Mexico, Missouri. Is that correct? Yeah, Mexico. We're on the map, man. We're on the map. Tehran Lu is is our claim to fame. Tehran Lu. All right, Brian. Here we go. Trivia, Brian. Where did Tehran Lu play college basketball? What well, Big 12 school did Tehran Lu play college basketball? Let's talk about the weather because it is beautiful here in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't know. Co- Coach Belcher, do you know? You should. You're right. You know because he's from Mexico, right? Yeah. My older hey, brother Brian. actually played with him. They uh, they went to Nebraska. I got an older brother named uh, Cookie Belcher. And okay, uh, yes. he went to Nebraska, and they both had really good careers there. Yeah. Nebraska was really good at football back then. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right, Coach Belcher, why don't you just go ahead and run down your resume for us and kind of tell us how you got to where you are now there in Bloomington Normal. Appreciate it, Chris. Uh, well, I, I started out, man, um, I played at Southern Illinois, graduated in the, in the class of 2002. I uh, was fortunate enough to be on a, a Sweet 16 team that year. Um, and then I graduated and, and actually worked for a finance company right out of high school and uh, really wasn't too excited about that. So I went back to become a grad assistant at SIU Edwardsville, which was a Division II team at the, at the time. And uh, it's now a Division I school uh, right outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and then the guy I worked for, uh, Marty Simmons, um, who was Mr. Basketball of Illinois, played at Indiana for Bobby Knight for a while. So he, he was really kind of an old school motion guy. Uh, I, was, I was working under him at SIU Eversville. And when he got the job at Evansville, his alma mater, I went with him uh, to Evansville, which is in the Missouri Valley as well. Uh, was there for a couple of years and went back to Southern Illinois, made a stop at Indiana State. for I was at Indiana State for uh, eight years and now I've been at uh, Illinois State for this past year. So you have you are a Midwest guy all the way. 
Yeah, I'm a Midwest. I've been in the Missouri Valley for some years now, so I, I act like I'm the dean of coaches here in, in the Missouri <laughs> Valley. But uh, I've been fortunate to, to work for Coach Muller here. Like I, I told Brian earlier, man, this is just a for a mid-major situation, Illinois State. I mean, it, it's the upper echelon as far as mm -hmm. facilities, fan support, the campus life. I think we have like 21,000 students. Uh, they show up to games. The, the community here in Bloomington normal. Uh, it's kind of a hidden little gym. Uh, town's about 150,000, and uh, it's got a little bit of money. State Farm Insurance headquarters is here, so there's a bunch okay. of uh, lawyers and corporate people in town where there is some money kind of helping fund the program and that type of stuff. So it's, it's a pretty good setup. Um, Coach Muller, we were talking about beforehand, Coach Muller was a great player there at Illinois State. And then I knew him as a longtime assistant at Vanderbilt for Kevin Stallings in the SEC for a bunch of years. And then he's returned there and had good success. Um, but you were talking about kind of being a hidden gem of the Missouri Valley. Years ago, Brian, uh, Coach Potosnak told me something. And and actually, Matt Park sort of said the same thing <clears throat> one time when I was talking to him, too. He said, every conference has their Kentucky. Like, there's a Kentucky in every conference. It's the school that's got the most money, the best facilities. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that's Illinois State, but he's like, you know, there's a hierarchy in every conference. And so it sounds like you guys are in the upper echelon there in the Missouri Valley, like you said, with facilities and money and all that kind of stuff, which helps. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Goodman put out a deal a couple years ago, and he ranks every job in each conference, and, and ours was at the top, and it's for that that reason. You know, the fan support, the you know the the you always want to be a part of good programs, and, and and those programs that really pump money into their support. You know, I always say there's a, there's a difference between good teams and good programs. You know, good teams have good coaches and good players, but those programs, you know, they bring in the community, they have the administration, they have the support staff. And Illinois State just has an unbelievable program. And um, the only thing we're missing right now is that NCAA tournament run, which, you know, the Northern Iowa's, Wichita State, Creighton, you know, they were in the league for a long time. Uh, Loyola's had some recent success, you know, going to the Final Four. So um, we just haven't made, got over that hurdle to, to get back to the tournament in a little bit. So that's our, our next big, big jump. I tell you, that's a great segue, and Chris, I'm going to jump in right here on the Q&As because I've been fortunate to be around Missouri Valley basketball the last couple of years, living vicariously through you guys and traveling <laughs> around a little bit and, and watching games. The level of basketball, and you said it earlier, mid-major basketball, but it's really like it's not really mid-major basketball in a lot of ways. It's really good basketball. So can you talk to our listeners and all of us here just about how difficult it is to win in that league and put a great product out? Because, I mean, it is, essentially it's everybody just beating each other. And then, like you say, you just listed Loyola being the, the latest to make a deep run in the tournament. But, like, it's really, really good basketball. So talk about that league and how difficult it really is. Yeah, it was kind of we, we kind of use it in recruiting a little bit. Uh, but but Coach K said it some years back that like the Missouri Valley is one of the best leagues where seniors play. You know, we don't have a bunch of one and dones and all that stuff, but you have some guys that you build some culture with, you build that that network, and then by the time those guys are seniors, man, it's you got some really good teams. And and I think you see some some good programs and some good coaches come through here, but we try to operate, you know, we're kind of that really I think it's mid plus because we uh, we really like we travel similar to high majors, you know. Like we we mm -hmm. anywhere over four hours, we take flights. We're not on ten hour bus rides, and uh, we're playing in arenas with ten thousand seat arenas. Now we don't always fill them up, but you're playing in big 
arenas and all that type of setup. So it has that that big time college basketball feel. I think the biggest thing with the Missouri Valley is we just don't really have a lot of football, you know, and so that's what separates us from the the uh, the, the bigger schools is that that big time college football feel. Yeah, just looking here, I just I tried to Google as quickly as I could Missouri Valley uh, NCAA tournaments. By you know how many you've had, how many each team's had. Illinois State's had six tournament appearances. Missouri State six, Loyola Chicago six, Northern Iowa eight, Valpo nine, Southern Illinois ten, Bradley ten. So there is definitely a tradition of success in that conference. Um, talk about the difference going from school to school in that conference as, as a player and as a coach. When you were a player, was Southern Illinois in the Missouri Valley? Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. So the difference kind of like, like you said, you're the Dean of uh, Missouri Valley coaches. So kind of talk about like what it's like being at different schools in one conference like that. Well, and that's, that's, that was kind of the tricky part of coming here is that, you know, I've been at a couple other stops and, and um, I would say the, the reason why you, you make this move is because it is the best job, you know, and it's, you kind of get, you know, you get tired of going up against guys sometimes in recruiting. It's like, man, okay, if they get in a picture, I can't beat them. You know, I just, if everything's all even and, and you go visit their campus and you come visit this campus, like we're going to lose. And so it was kind of that, uh, that aspect. And I've known Dan Muller. He's just a couple years older than me. And so I've known him for some years and I've known him uh, have a couple of mutual friends and all that stuff. And it was just a good chance to work for a guy who, who's really well-respected throughout the basketball, college basketball community. He's had a lot of success here and a chance to learn, you know, and you're always trying to grow and try to learn and, um, elevate your game and your, your coaching abilities. And so it was just a really chance to challenge myself and uh, learn, learn from a different guy. So, yeah, that'll lead me to my next question, Marcus. You're, you're doing a great job of segueing for me, man. You're a fantastic interview already, man. <laughs> but uh, some, of, some of the lessons that you've picked up along the way, and, and Chris alluded to it, you know, moving around the Missouri Valley as a, as a player now, as a coach, and, and, as, and being the dean of the coaches, you, you've got – a wonderful personality. So what are some of those lessons that you've picked up along the way that helped that helped you grow as a coach? Maybe some things that you can share uh, with our audience that uh, may help them along the way as well. Well, probably uh, some of the stuff I learned early on was, you know, coming in and I was 26 when I got my first division one assistant coaching job, you know, so I was fortunate to get in pretty early and pretty young. And, uh, I saw a lot of guys move, you know, some guys were moving just as fast as some guys went to the higher level a little bit quicker. And um, the, I just noticed and, and really respect the, the value of working for good people, you know, and, and people that you can trust and people that are loyal. And so that's been kind of my main focus is just to make sure I, uh, I can work for somebody who does things the right way um, and, and who's really loyal and, and, and can, can teach you a few things. And I've seen some guys really get in a rush and take bad jobs just to get to a higher level. And then in two years, that guy's fired, and now they're back below us, you know. And so it's, it's a really good level as far as um, being able to sustain, you know, like financially, we, we make pretty good money. So there's no real complaints that way. Obviously, you always want to get to the highest level from that standpoint. But um, you make a nice living to where you can really take care of your family and all that. But, but you're also coaching at a high level too. So it, it's been pretty, pretty intriguing. Uh, probably the biggest lesson I learned is trying to, you know, at this level to win in the Missouri Valley, you really have to have kids that can play at the the highest level and somehow slip through the cracks or whatever. And 
when I first got in, I was trying to go head to head against some of these big time schools. Like, oh, well, I'll just, I just out recruit them, you know? And it's like, well, you can recruit that kid for six months. If Illinois comes in, you know, on the ninth hour, they're probably going to go to Illinois. Mm-hmm. So that, those are some lessons I, I had to learn the hard way. I'm going to pick up on that recruiting question. I haven't asked this. I just sort of thought about this. I always tell kids when they're recruitable athletes, either kids I've had or kids I've known, I always tell them when a coach comes to see you, he already knows you can play. You know what I mean? He's not coming to see you to see if you can. He knows you can play. What are two or three things you look for in a kid when you're recruiting them besides the fact that, oh, he can shoot three-pointers? Well, everybody can shoot three-pointers. I mean, I can shoot three-pointers. I don't make them, but I can shoot them. Yeah, that's probably one of the, the other lessons I've learned over the years is, is one thing I really kind of stat on my, in my head. Sometimes I'll even take out a, a notebook and, and pad, pad and paper. And uh, like if I'm watching an open gym, I kind of want to know how many, how many games he wins in the pickup games. You know, if you're playing for two hours, are you winning or are you just getting buckets out there? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's kind of one of the deals that I kind of in my own head, like I always want to see, a, is this guy a winner? You know, and that's to me, that's the, the best I tell our guys here, it's, it's like the best compliment I can give you to, a, to an agent or, a, you know, a, a job interview when you leave here. It's like if, if we can tell people you're the ultimate winner, man, like that, that, that speaks volumes for you down the road. Uh, so so that, I do look for the, the winning and then just how, how their teammates react, respond to them. You know, obviously watching the, the last dance, you see how MJ, I mean, he was hard on those guys. And you can be hard on them to an extent without being belittling and, and just taking their confidence from them. So those guys who, who, who got a little edge about them, but also their teammates like playing with them and respond to them. Uh, well, first of all, Marcus, I'm a diehard Knicks fan, so I have not watched Uh-oh. episode Uh-oh. one of The Last Dance. <laughs> but uh, I've heard about it. Um, that winning thing, I want to pick up on that. Uh, we had a player at South Carolina by the name of Rocky Trice. He was a Juco kid at a – I don't know where he went to Juco, but he was from Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember specifically that one time after his first year, the summer between his first year and second year at South Carolina, I was watching the guys play pickup. And Rocky was on the winning team like – six games in a row and when he the two years he was at South Carolina we went back-to-back NIT titles and then I went through the um, the media guide and he won two titles at his JUCO so in four years of college he won four titles and like I said you watch him play just play pickup he was always on the winning team now he was not the best player in the world he was not the best scorer he was not the biggest he was not the fastest but the team he was on always won yeah, and that's, there's, there's value in that, man. And there's, I think if you look across the board at these, these college teams that uh, consistently win games and go to the NCAA tournament, I think you'll see a lot of those guys have kids from, from winning programs and, and good high school coaches. And, and you know, like we're, we try to really focus on that in our recruiting this year. We've had, we had a kid go to the Final Four. We had a kid uh, go to the Lead Eight and – Another kid that may have had – his team may have had a chance to win this Kentucky State tournament until it got canceled. So they were – I think they finished the number one team in the state. Uh, so we, we kind of made a concerted effort to, to, to find those kind of guys. I think it's a rare thing these days with kids playing so many games in AU and um, just having that skill of wanting to win. Like you said earlier, you know, instead of just wanting to get buckets. And um, 
I think it's, it's a, it's a huge deal. And I'm just shocked that I know exactly where Rocky Trice went to junior college and Chris didn't. I, and I'm not even going to say it on the air. Just kidding. Georgia perimeter, man, Georgia perimeter. How you can forget Georgia remember. perimeter. I remembered he was a Georgia guy, but I did not remember the college. <laughs> I can sleep well tonight, Marcus, uh, knowing that I knew something that Chris didn't know. So that's, <laughs> that's great. Well, all right. So coach, you know, the name of the podcast is the greatest game. So at this point, we'd love to hear about the greatest game you've ever been a part of as a player or as a coach and as much background information as you can tell us about the game and, and why it's so special to you. Sure thing, man. Um, I'd have to say our my, my the greatest game I've been a part of is my senior year at Southern Illinois, 2002. Uh, we made it to the Sweet 16. And the game that we played to go to the Sweet 16 is we had to go through Jim Herrick and the Georgia Bulldogs uh, to get there. And they were a highly ranked team. We had we really had no business probably being up against those guys. And um, we ended up pulling it out. We got – it was a crazy deal because we, we actually played – at the United Center in, in Chicago. And Illinois was at the same location that year. And so there was a bunch of Illinois fans there. And we actually we beat Texas Tech with um, when Bobby Knight was there uh, the game before. And then so the, the second round game was against Georgia on that Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember exactly. Um, and so some of the Illinois fans stuck around. And we got down, I believe we got down 18, 19 points in the first half. I think it was 30 to 10, 30 to 11, something like that. But with some, I think there's some time to go in the, in the first half because we ended up cutting it to like a three to five point deficit in the first half. We got down 18, 19 points. And Coach Weber, I, I remember to this day, Coach Weber looked at us like, hey, man, we're not going out like this. Like, you guys have fought too hard. You've come too long. Like, just stick to what we're doing and, and we'll find a way through this. And we had some pretty good players. And I, I was kind of a throwback point guard, man. I was six points, four assists, something like that. You know, I was never a big-time scorer. I just – I kind of – I just facilitated, like like the old-school point guards did, I guess. Um, but we had we had a really good team. We had a, a transfer from Virginia Tech named Roland Roberts, who was a 6'6", just monster athlete. We had another 6'8", man named Jermaine Deerman, who was a versatile 4'5", kind of guy, could step out and shoot it a little bit. And we had a couple other guys, a freshman that ended up being uh, two-time player of the year, Darren Brooks, and another guard named Kent Williams that really were, were really good players. Uh, but, man, Georgia had those Jarvis and Jonah Hayes. The Hayes and, brothers, yeah. Man, they were, they were just – they were so big and so versatile, you know, that, that it was a tough matchup. And they had a couple other guys, Ezra and Williams and some dudes like that, that they just, they just punked us at the beginning of the game. And we were a little bit in over our head. And, uh, man, we got down with about seven or eight minutes to go in half. And uh, we are like, all right, we're not going to go out like this. And our, our kid, Jermaine Deerman, ended up – the two bigs really led the way for us against theirs. So those two bigs that we had were probably – well, Roland Roberts played at Virginia Tech, so he could play at the highest level, you know. Uh, then Jermaine Deerman was one of those guys that slipped through the cracks. Uh, if, if there was a transfer market like it is now, he probably would have transferred and went to a high major, you know, at, at that time. But – uh, he was really – those guys, they weren't scared, you know. And that was our whole deal is, you know, for a while Southern was called four burn you, you know, because we played – we picked you up 94 feet. We pressured you. We fouled. We we fought every catch, you know. And so we were just a physical team. And we got out out physical – you know, outmatched physically uh, that game. And so we, we kind of 
had to grit our teeth, man, and uh, found a way to pull it out. But it was it was an unbelievable game. I didn't do a whole lot. I think I had six or seven points, uh, five maybe five points. Um, and but we just it was I've never seen a team. First of all, we were pretty good, so we never got down that much, you know. And for us to to kind of rally together in, in that big situation, uh, it was it was pretty impressive. Um, talk about the importance of the – the NCAA tournament is such a unique thing, the crowd, and you talk about the Illinois people sticking around. I was at University of Kentucky for one year, and we had to beat St. Bonaventures in the first round in double overtime. And it was in Cleveland. We were in Cleveland, and Syracuse was the other team in our bracket. And so Syracuse had a ton of fans there, and every Syracuse fan in the gym was rooting for St. Bonaventure. Not one of them was rooting for Kentucky. So, you know, talk about – I'm sure Georgia had their core fans there, but having the Illinois fans kind of rally behind you guys and how yeah. important that was. At one point, they even started chanting SIU. And this is, <laughs> you know, some Illinois fans. And so it was like, all right, now we got the – and that, I think it was maybe not as much about the, them being Illinois fans, but just kind of rooting for the underdog. You know, we we're the small school guys coming in there, and these guys – you know, Jim Herrick was a head coach, and, you know, he coached at UCLA and won a national championship and had a couple of these studs in there, man. And so it was it was more of the rooting for the underdog and, and for guys like us to come through. And we'd actually played Illinois that year. We played them tough. And so it may have gotten, gotten a little respect from them early in the season. We played them at one of those MTEs, I think, in Vegas. And um, we played them pretty tough. So we, I think we had, had earned the respect. Um, but it was it was still pretty cool to be a part of it. So down 30 to 11, I'm over here doing some math real quick. At the half, you're down three, 38 to 35. So you go on a 24 to eight run yeah. after being down 30 down to half. 11. Yeah. 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 So what, it, was it you, was it anybody within that group that says, hey, we're down 30, 11, we got this, or hey, it's all right, or hey, we'll flip the switch. What, what was happening in that huddle? I'm looking at the article here, coach Weber called a couple of timeouts to kind of get, get you guys straight, but what was going on down 30, 11 to ignite that 24 to eight run? Well, we were kind of giving us some easy shots. I, I remember just little bits and pieces of the game, but a couple guys that really weren't known as scores were getting some easy looks and it's like, all right, now we can't let this guy kill us, you know? And then the, the, the Deerman kid, really took over. I think he ended up with 25 for the game and he just, he really just went to work. And so it gave us a little bit of confidence. Our defense picked up when he started hitting a couple baskets and we got a couple steals and got back to doing the things we did, you know, as, as, as impressive as putting up 20 points, you know, we held them to seven or eight points that last eight minutes of the game. And so that was, that was what we were known for. You, you know, the, the old SIU, it was ugly basketball, but I mean, the score, there'd be some, 40 to 44 point games, you know, and it's like, well, they're guarding and doing all that stuff, but it's, it's not, they, they were never really high scoring games. So for Georgia to have 30 something points with, with seven minutes to go and a half, that was a lot for us. Mm -hmm. All right. What was the best play you had in the game? Did you have a nice assist? Did you have a bucket? Brag about yourself. Um, <laughs> I do remember they were overplaying me one time on a wing and our big kid got the got the a catch up at the top of the key, and I back cut, and I got like a little reverse layup, you know. So I back cut the guy. Guy comes to block, and I did a little scoop reverse layup. So I thought I was doing something there. That was about it. I was about. I think I hit a three, and that was about it for the game. 
you had a had a great stat line, coach. You had five points, two assists. You, 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 you know, uh, it was like a, a rebound there and you know, facilitating. I know, yeah. So you, you, yeah. you, you yeah, I guarded nice my guy. My guy didn't score, man. Who are you guarding? Who are you matched up with? Oh, uh, I think I think I had to guard Ezra Williams quite a bit. Who was the point guard for them? It wasn't be, was Gaines there yet? No, Sundiata wasn't there yet. Rashad Wright wasn't right. Rashad Wright, that's exactly uh, Ezra Williams. Yeah. Ezra Williams, the Hayes brothers, DA Lane. Rashad, Rashad, I think hit a couple jumpers. One of those two guys hit some threes that game. And Ezra I, was Ezra was a bit better scorer than Rashad Wright. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Rashad may have hit a couple jumpers, and he really wasn't supposed to be. Yes, because they had the Hayes brothers, and Williams would spot up. Yeah. I think a Daniels kid inside too, maybe Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. What was his name? Chris Daniels. That was, that was a good Georgia team. They were the Hayes yeah. brothers themselves. I mean, and uh, Jonas is – is Jonas an assistant at Xavier now? Is that right? He's, he's, yeah. 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 Is Jarvis at Georgia? That's a good question. I think Jarvis is at Georgia now. Do they still have that class there, that Jim Herrick Jr.? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, so you win that game to go to the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah. And then what's they that like, what's that like? They they get to play on the second weekend. What's that like? Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. We, uh, you know, the NCAA pays for your your charter flight, so we had a nice jet coming back from Chicago. And uh, Coach Weber lets us fly in the first class seats, and the coaches went in the back since we won. <laughs> and you know, Carbondale is a blue collar town, man. It's you know thirty forty thousand people in the southern part of Illinois. And we landed at probably two in the morning and there were about 6,000 fans there waiting for us and just rooting for us. They had signs, all that stuff, man. So it was unbelievable. Uh, so you get back and you're kind of, I think we knew who we were playing. I knew, I think we knew we were playing UConn um, right afterwards. And so like trying to think about that daunting task and then they do us no favors. We got to go. You talked about Syracuse. We got to go play. UConn at the Carrier Dome in in Syracuse, and so that's basically a home game for them. (laughs) And they, you know, they obviously played in there a couple times. So we we were not ready for that, and you know, (laughs) we we uh, we were a little bit uh, outman that game. And uh, you know, UConn had Emeka Okafor, Karam Butler, and then people asked me a little bit, you know, when I when I was leaving, like, who's the best guy you played against? You think? You know, and uh, at one point I was like, there's this, there's this freshman at UConn. I don't – nobody really knows him, but his name is Ben Ben Gordon. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a monster. Like, was, I was, like we were – I don't even know if we respected him like that, but after going up against him, man, he was just a big guard who was who was strong, explosive, athletic, like could shoot it from deep. I was like, man, this dude's going to be good. And then a couple years later, I think he went – it was a lottery pick in the draft, wasn't he, a couple years ago? He was later. top five, I believe. Yeah, top and Emeka, Emeka was – was he the number one or number two pick, Emeka? Yeah, I'm not sure. Emeka I – mean, He was a – yeah, they were both very high draft. Karam Butler had a long NBA career. Yeah, that's, that's a heck of a team to go up against. Yeah, so that, they did us no favors there. And I think uh, Maryland was up there with us. Maryland ended up winning it that year. With right, with Dixon and Steve Blake and those guys, Lonnie Baxter, that so, old team. Pretty pretty unique experience, man. It's nothing like getting uh, police escorts to your games and stuff like that. That's the the treatment they give you that that Sweet Sixteen round, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say it's two thousand two in the Missouri Valley Conference. You were not getting police escorts anywhere. No way, no way. We had some we had some battles though. Uh, 
I think he's still playing. Uh, Creighton had Kyle Corver at the time. Yes. We had some battles with those guys, man. We, my senior year, we won the the regular season conference title and then lost to those guys in the in the championship game of the conference tournament. And we swept them during the regular season and then lost to them uh, in the championship game. So it was always some battles with Creighton and the Wichita. Dana Altman was coaching there then. Dana Altman, yep, yep. Yeah. So we've had – Where does Dana Altman coach now, Brian? Come on. He's at Oregon. Come on. All right. I know, I know a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you learned so much today. I, I tell you what, I, I really am. I really am. <laughs> it sounds like a great game, though. We're, we're, we're burying the lead here. But to, to win a game against an SEC school, man, that – you know, that's, that's what makes the NCAA tournament so much fun is watching those schools do that. Yeah, and it's for us. It was you respect those guys, but you always you always want to have the opportunity to go up against them on on a stage like that and, and prove to people that you're worthy. You know, no matter what we did, kind of in the Missouri Valley. And for us, you know, we were 500 the year before, and so this was kind of like we had just jumped onto the scene. You know, and I think going into the games, you know, talking about it on you know the bubble watch and all that, it's like the the big question is what is a Saluki. <laughs> and that's what everybody was asking. And so it's we some sort of dog, right? It's a yeah, it's a it's a, a real skinny kind of like a greyhound, Egyptian hunting hunting dog. But we kind of became that that Cinderella team that year. So it was it was pretty cool. And then you know, a couple of years later, Cinderellas went past the Sweet Sixteen. You know, they're going to the Final Fours and stuff. So that's kind of broken that mold. Yeah, you went to you went sixteen and fourteen the year before. Yeah, 16, 14. But so. the year before that, you guys were 20 and 13. So <clears throat> went to the NIT second round. I'm just looking up Coach Weber's uh, record. Yeah. I think awesome. We voted after that 20 and something team. We had, we had a bunch of new faces. And the funny thing about the, the, the neat thing about my situation was uh, I went to junior college first and had no Division I scholarship offers. I had, I had nothing. And then went to uh, Moberly Junior College, which is a good junior, junior college in Missouri. Uh, was recruited there kind of as a backup and ended up starting. And so Coach Weber was looking for a backup point guard at Southern Illinois. And so he – and that's kind of crazy thing. If anybody knows Bruce Weber, man, like he's a brutally honest guy. He's just a straight shooter. And he just – he basically told me I was coming in as a backup. And he's like, I'm – I'll give you the opportunity to beat the guy out, whatever. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. But I'm just letting you know we, we're looking for a backup point guard right now. And so, long story short, I ended up working my ass off and became the, the starting point guard. And um, to, to make it – to go from a backup to the Sweet 16, man, my, it, was, it was really good for – it was really exciting for him. Well, see, that, that to me yeah, – I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point because it's – goes back to something we were talking about earlier about just being winner, being a winner, you know, and, and obviously you get into the sweet 16, but even just that story there, I didn't know that story about you just, just, just fighting your tail off to, to win a starting job. Like that's got to serve you extremely well. Uh, just as an undercurrent, knowing that a, you're a winner, you know what it takes to win in that league and to see your coaching career being on solid ground. Like it's just got to serve you well to have that, that trait as, as being a winner. Yeah. And that's why I, I really pump it with our guys a lot. Just as far as doing what you say you're going to do and those little things, man, it just, those things add up, you know, and if you stay the course, a lot of times good things will happen. Our guys, you know, in this day and age, man, everybody's wanting the instant gratification and instant success, man. You don't see the guys 
really push through anymore. And so the more we can get them to do that, I think the more success they'll have down the road. There was actually a moment when, <laughs> when I first got to Southern and, and things were hard, you know, and I, I remember calling my mom like, man, these guys don't get me, mom, da, 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 you know. <laughs> and she was like, what are you going to do, quit? She's like, you never quit anything in your life. Are you going to start now? And so that was kind of the turning moment for me. It was, a, it was the moment I really kind of changed the direction. Said, "All right, now I got to, I got to do this, man. I got to figure it out anyway." Hmm. And, and you just don't see that all the time with, with guys when things get hard. Are they gonna, they gonna fight through it, or are they gonna just kind of move on and blame somebody else? What, what a what a gift your mother gave you, like just to yeah, put it back on you because yeah. you had that choice. You could you could quit, or you could say, "No, I'm gonna go get the starting job." and uh, that's, 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 that's such a huge gift. And I'm with you on that. Just, um, and in, in the world today, it's, it seems that those kind of conversations are happening fewer and, and fewer. <laughs> um, yeah. That's the famous, uh, Mickey Mantle story, Brian It's a little baseball history. And you know, I'm a baseball guy. Mickey Mantle was in the minor leagues and he called his dad up and he said, dad, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can play. He was in Kansas city. His dad lived in Oklahoma. His dad drove like nine hours from Oklahoma walked into his hotel room and started packing his clothes. And he said, what are you doing? He said, I thought I raised a man. You were just a quitter. He said, so I'm taking you home. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's a whole other level there. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Marcus's mom just did it on the phone. She yeah. just... <laughs> <laughs> but I bet she would have drove up there if she had to. Yeah, she would have done whatever, man. <laughs> Single mom right. and three bad kids, man. That's... <laughs> She deserves it. <laughs> All right, Coach, we'd like to end with this final question. Um, if I talk to a player that played for you 10, 12 years ago and I talk to a player that played for you now, what would they say is the one thing Coach Belcher always says over and over, like in practice something you always say or some bit of wisdom you always give them? What's the one thing Coach Belcher always says? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. They we all probably, have them. We all have them. probably have funny stories and clowning on me a little bit, but uh, I just, I just, I try to get them to be consistent, you know, and it's, it's showing up every day. And obviously being a point guard, I, I like to take those point guards aside. And it's like, you, you know, you hear the whole saying about, um, you know, the, the best player, the head coach and the point guard can never have bad days, you know? And so I, I use that a lot with the, with the point guards as far as, staying a course and, and showing up every day and being that, that quarterback of the team. So that's kind of the, the, the biggest motto I guess I have. I love that. Well, Coach, I can't thank you enough for, for, for coming on the show. And it's been a, a real pleasure to get to know you a little bit more. And I've known you here a couple of years uh, vicariously through, uh, through Brett, Brett Carey over at NES State. And, uh, but it's been a real pleasure to get to know you a little bit more. And appreciate you coming on the show with us today. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. Well, I tell you what, I will say Illinois State is a good follow on social media. So I would encourage all of our listeners to check out Illinois State and Coach Belcher on, on social media and wherever you get your social media news. And so for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. 